0: Our reading today is from the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Word of God, word of light.
1: This morning, I want to call our attention back to that beautiful passage in Romans that Paul wrote. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. He tells us, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, Paul writes, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And his words echo the words of Jesus, who had also said, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Beautiful words. It's hard to find examples of people doing that though. I don't see a lot of loving of our enemies these days, especially not in the news and not on Facebook and Twitter and places like that, not in the speeches given by either party at their national conventions. I'm not seeing a lot of loving of our enemies. Christians on every side, my Christian friends, and sometimes me included, I'm not immune from this, we are Instead, spewing out words of judgment and blame and intolerance and ridicule. We're ridiculing other people. We're focusing on what people wear and, and, and um, you know, the things that we think that are wrong in them instead of looking for the good or, or assuming the best until proven otherwise. We are, we are even expressing hatred for those with whom we disagree or who make us feel unsettled. I'm not so sure the world is gonna know that we are Christians by our love. And it's not in human nature to love our enemies. It's really not. It's in human nature to fight our enemies, to destroy the enemies, to drive the enemy away before somehow we think they're gonna get us. But if we fight hate with hate, if we become evil in fighting evil, Well, then there's nothing that's going to be left but hatred and evil. So Jesus says, love your enemies. Let go of vengeance. This is the only way to change the world. Embrace, forgive, do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. I don't know about you, but I could use some examples of that. It would be nice to see some signs of that in the world, what that looks like to love the enemies so that everyone is transformed by good. So I did a little digging because I needed to be preached to this week. I needed those signs of hope. And I got on the internet, which is often where I wind up, and I found some stories of loving the enemy in a narrative given in an article written by Leanne Friesen, Reverend Leanne Friesen, who's a a Canadian minister, who a few years back, back in 2016, made a trip to Lebanon. She wrote in ChristianWeek.org, an article about that trip she talked about the Lebanese having an enemy and how she hadn't really paid a lot of attention to that in her life. I mean, she lived in Canada and she was going on with her everyday business and she didn't really get the whole thing between the Lebanese and the Syrians, but the Lebanese and the Syrians have a deep-seated animosity that goes back a generation, at least 40, 35, 40 years. She said while she was there, she began to hear stories about the enemy, that in a sermon, a Lebanese pastor told his story, and he said, my father was killed by Syrians. A woman described her experience. She told Pastor Friesen, she said, I stood at gunpoint before the Syrian soldiers holding my baby and praying that God would take me first. Another church leader recalled how the entire town of their congregation had been under siege by Syrians for a hundred days. For a hundred days, they could not get food or medical supplies or anything into their city. As she was there, she heard story after story after story of pain and loss and grief. And she said with an aching heart, she began to realize, I don't get it. I really don't understand because I've never really had an enemy, not an enemy like that. She says, yeah, I know we try really hard to create enemies for ourselves on Facebook debates and in pseudo internet rage and all of that. But she said, Father, forgive me, I don't get it at all. I have never had to love when hate runs so deep. But she said the Christians in Lebanon had to do just that. She said for the last five years, right before her journey, the enemy had come to live in their backyard. Tens of thousands of Syrian refugees had come into Lebanon seeking assistance. She said, I can't even fathom how hard, how difficult, how painful that must have been for the Lebanese people to have these enemies suddenly pouring in literally into their neighborhoods and setting up camp. She said, it sounds like it should be a nightmare, but that's not the story I heard in Lebanon. She said, the story I heard was the story of Jesus following heart-changing, life-altering love. And that's when she got my attention. She said the Jesus followers in Lebanon had to make a very real choice. They had to make the choice between loving and hating their enemy. Their enemies were now all around him and that enemy was hungry and lonely and homeless. And she said, as much as they might have wished that Jesus would have given them an out, Jesus didn't. Jesus instead says, did not say, "You you don't have to care because they're your enemy. Instead, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And she said, and so they did. She learned on that trip to Lebanon, she says, what enemy love really looks like. The pastor, who had told in his sermon how his father had been killed by the Syrians, now has a church that reaches out to thousands upon thousands of Syrians. Just a few weeks prior to her visit, he had called a Syrian family up to the front of the church, in front of everybody on a Sunday morning, to remind them what it means to love and forgive, and then he had knelt down and washed those people's feet. His church has grown from 60 people, Lebanese people, to 900 people and two-thirds of his congregation are Syrian refugees. Then she said, the woman who had prayed at gunpoint holding, clutching her infant child is part of a church that now cares for 500 displaced Syrian families. She has her own Syrian family that she visits every single week. Every week, she has tea with her enemies. Except now, of course, they're not her enemies. They're her friends. She told Pastor Friesen that learning to love her enemy was the biggest challenge she had ever faced in her life. And yet, in doing that, She has received such great blessing. And then there was that town that was under siege for 100 days and couldn't get food and couldn't get medical supplies. Well, now that town has a church working tirelessly to care for 2,000 Syrian families. They started out hoping, thinking they were just going to help 100. You know, that was going to be a stretch, trying to meet the needs of 100 families. But the need grew and grew, and so they just gave and gave and kept on giving, and now they give out 1,400 food hampers every single month. Diapers, job training, social support, all of this is poured out on their enemy. When they asked the families what their greatest need was, the answer On the part of many Assyrians, was education for their children while they were in these camps. So, in response, the church started a school in their basement. And when they ran out of space in the basement, they started setting up tents outside. And the people of the congregation volunteered to be the teachers of the children. They're the same people who sat under siege just a generation ago, and now they're loving their enemies. One classroom, one food hamper at a time. The same church runs day camps every single week, every week. They have a bus that brings the children in in the morning for a morning camp, and then they do it again and bring in different children in the afternoon. She met one of the men who works nonstop to make that day camp happen. She says, I was already kind of at the brink of my emotional cup from seeing and hearing all of these stories and watching all of these beautiful children get to experience this camp and this joy. And she met this other leader who said, you know that man that you just met, the one you were just talking to? His brother was killed by Syrians. And now he loves these children with all his heart. She said, that put me over the edge. I know something about losing a sibling, she says. My sister died because of cancer, she said. I don't think I could ever love cancer. I can't imagine ever doing that. I don't know if I could love what killed my sister. And yet this is what that man does. He loves his enemy every day in a practical, tangible way. He sings songs to his enemy. He hugs them. He drives their bus. When I think about What stands out, she says, most from the time in Lebanon is seeing over and over again the lived practice of the teaching of Jesus to love your enemies. And even more, it was seeing what I already knew deep down, she says, that loving like Jesus taught us changes things. It's changing Lebanon for every story of someone who has known hate, she says, there is another story of someone who has now experienced love and who says, tell me about this Jesus. Many of the churches can barely keep up with all the people that God, are sending their, God is sending their way. The hearts of those who had once called Syrians their enemy have also changed because now they have found the means to heal and to forgive and to be whole. She says, I don't know a lot about loving my enemies, but after two weeks in Lebanon, I know a lot more. It made me start thinking, if love can change Lebanon, maybe loving the enemy could change us. If we want America to be great, if we want the world to be great, if we want our own neighborhoods to be great, then maybe we have to start with something really small, just trying to love the people with whom we disagree. Like maybe not saying unloving things, or ridiculing people, or sharing those kind of hateful cartoons and memes on social media. Maybe it's not saying unloving things about other people, even if we don't like their politics, and instead being kinder and gentler and less judging and trying to shine a light on the good that was in every single human being, to find something nice to say, to do as Paul says, and rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering and persevere in prayer and bless those who persecute, to live peaceably with all, to love God as God has loved us. When God hung on a cross and said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they're doing because such love just might change the world. Amen.